0: Good morning everyone, if you're new and you're joining us, uh, for the first time you haven't met me, my name's Luke, and together with my wife Lauren, have the great privilege of leading this uh, wonderful team of elders here in Common Ground South Penn. Well, I mean, it's it's two days, I think, to spring, or three, or however many, but I mean, like it's, this week is spring, but you wouldn't know by the snow on the mountains, eh? I mean, this is, winter is still very much with us, right? Um, man, it's chilly this morning, uh, I hope that you're snugly warm if you're in your house on Zoom. We are just, um, we're warm here in different ways as well. Um, I uh, I just want to take a second to welcome David and Jess. Would you mind just giving us a wave? I know I'm embarrassing you. I'm sorry. David and Jess, first time back in church after being married here about like uh, just less than a month ago, hey? So that's pretty cool. Welcome back to uh, to you guys together as a married couple. First time worshiping in church like this. Married amazing. So congratulations to you guys, man. And they were married here in this very property on this building. it's beautiful. Our first wedding as a church in our own premises that we're meeting and it's glorious. So welcome to you guys. Uh, Today is our final message in our series, Becoming Emotionally Mature, right? Five weeks, we've done it, eh? Now we're emotionally mature, right? I wish it worked like that, eh? Hey? Like the Matrix, just download that program and then you've got it. Life is not like that, hey? I want to recognize a few things up front as we land this series. And number one is that this is actually a lifelong process, right? And these five weeks have been amazing. I've got so much feedback from so many in our church of the profound impact that these messages in this series has had on all of our lives. And I'd be the first to put up my hand and say, yes, me too included. But I think we've got to realize that we've uncovered something here that is a lifelong journey to work out in our lives. We've in many ways just skimmed the surface of what's been going on. This series has helped us to kind of look deep, look deeper, look to go beneath the surface in our lives. We've seen that. We've seen many things in this series. Over the, over the last four weeks, we've seen that emotions are part of the core of who God is. God is an emotional God. And, and in fact, emotions, our emotional lives, are one of the attributes that God put into us when he created us as human beings. And, and so we've seen in the series how as we look beneath the surface in our lives, our, our, our emotions can give us an indicator. They're like a window into what's happening beneath the surface in our hearts and in our souls. They're like the lights on the dashboard, right, in your car. And they, they, they go off and they warn you about what's happening beneath the surface in, in your life. You, you ignore the lights, the warning lights on the dashboard in your car to your peril, right? To ignore those lights when they say, you better check this thing out. It's dangerous. At the, at the very least, you could be performing at a suboptimal level. I'm sorry, all the car metaphors. But you get the picture, Right? What this journey has been about is about us bringing our whole selves, both the seen and the unseen parts of who we are, under the lordship of Jesus, under the personhood of God, so as to see Christ transform all of who we are into his likeness. Now, I must say, this series can feel a little bit introspective, right? A little bit self-helpy, a lot about me and what I'm going to do and helping me get right. And, and our world thrives on that. Everything is the I world, the I store, the I this, all everything's about me. And, uh, and that sits so much contrary to the gospel of Jesus. And, and I so get that. But, but, but don't think that God doesn't care about each individual as well. He really does. And so whilst we reject this kind of everything's about me, it's also helpful from time to time to stop and, and ask the hard question. How? am I really doing, right? Um, and, uh, and so this last talk is hopefully a little bit of a balance to this series as we look at the fruit of maturity, the outflow and outworking of growth and maturity in our lives and the hope that maturity, real maturity, overflows outwards. As we become emotionally mature, we become more um, more adept to love and serve the people in our lives and in our communities. But before we do, one last thing on the front end. Next week, we launch a brand new series as we begin journeying through the book of Exodus, right? Journeying through the book of Exodus. And we're going to see how God takes his people from the depths of oppression all the way to the foothills of the promised land, right? And everything in between. More than anything else, the book of Exodus is an encounter with the character of God, his very personhood. It's a celebration of God's mercy and his justice and his holiness and his faithfulness constantly to his people, even when his people are constantly getting it wrong over the next few weeks as we journey through the book of Exodus, I'm trusting that God would reveal himself to us as a people. And that we, like Israel, in those fledgling days then, would become shaped and molded into his likeness so that we would be able to reflect him to our world as well. And so, really excited about next week as we launch. Before we jump into this week's talk though, take a moment and consider. Ask yourself this question. Don't answer out loud. What do you think is the measure of maturity as a Christ follower? What do you think is the measure of maturity? How would you define it? Or say differently, what is the ultimate sign of maturity for a follower of Jesus? I wonder how many of us might say uh, a sign of ultimate maturity, oh, that's deeper and richer experiences with God. How many of us would say a greater knowledge of the scriptures? mean, when you think of someone who you think is very mature in God, what is it about them that you think, oh, that's what it is? Maybe maybe you'd say sinning less. And I know certainly sometimes, uh, that's a big one for me. I just wish I would sin less and that would become less a part of who I am. Maybe it's reading lots of books about God and understanding who God is more. Maybe it's a, a greater experience of the Holy Spirit and greater measures in your life. Lots of good things, lots of beautiful ways of defining it. But I'll put to you today, what if we saw love as the measure of spiritual maturity? And today's measure, today's message, today's message is this. Let love be the measure of spiritual maturity. Let love be the measure of spiritual or of emotional or of all maturity. Love is the measure of maturity. Jesus was asked, what's the most important command? What did he reply? He said, the most important command is you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength, and you love your neighbor as you love yourself. This is the trajectory. This is what Christ-likeness looks like. It's a love of God and it's a love for others and nowhere do we see love more embodied in in the history of the world than we do in Jesus God himself incarnating and becoming a human being as in the incarnation he steps into our world God in the form of Jesus literally became flesh and blood a human being like you and I as he stepped into our world to rescue us, selflessly rescue us. We, we read about that in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 to 8. Let's read that together. We've got it on the screen. If you want to follow along in your own Bibles as well. Philippians 2, 4 to 8. This letter was written to a church, a local church, in a place just like you and just like me, just like us here in South Penn and Cape Town. Let's hear this word written to us. Let each of you, that's each of us in the local body of Christ, each of us as members in Common Ground South Penn, let each of you look not to his own interests, not just what's me in my life and how it affects me and my family, but also to the interests of others. We're called to look to the interests of other people. Have this mind among yourself. It's a way of thinking, he's saying. It's a way of thinking that I don't just think about me and mine. I think about us as a people. And not just every person on the planet out there, but this local body, the relationships I have here. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Jesus Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, Did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he made himself nothing. Taking on the form of a great ruler who would dominate the world. Oh no, that's not what the Bible says, hey. As he he took on this humble form, he made himself nothing. Taking on the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Let's pray. Father, as we look at your word, as we we have been on a journey, really just scratching the surface, but beginning to invite you into all of who we are, to transform all of who we are. As we look at this in this final message on one of the great acts of God in history, incarnating and ultimately living and dying on a cross in love for others. I pray, Lord, you would speak to us today. Speak to us of who you are and what you've done and speak to us in light of who you are and what you've done, who we can become and how we can live. Amen. I mean, what an extraordinary piece of scripture. Got to be one of my favorite chunks of scripture in all of the Bibles. We read about here, love, uh, God is love, love embodied in the incarnation of Jesus. It's such a beautiful picture of what Jesus is all about, of what God is all about. Uh, We see that Jesus put aside every advantage he had in love. He lays down titles and glory and wealth and comfort. He lays it all down in order to step into the world and show you and me what God is really like as he moves towards us in love. He, Jesus served others with his whole life. As you read the Gospels, if, you, if you're you new to church, if you're new to the Bible, you need to read the Gospel of John. You need to read, read the Gospels and see his whole life was lived in servanthood of others, right, right from washing his followers' feet to ultimately washing us of our sins on the cross. He gives his whole life so you and I can be made right with God. Jesus lived out love. He literally was love in action. If you're still exploring the claims of Christ, This is what Jesus is all about. Without picking a fight with other faiths, this is unique among all the major religions of the world that God would become a human being and live as a servant among ordinary people, selflessly giving his life, pouring it out to the point that he would even die for others. This is why within Christianity is the claim that at the core of who God is, God at his most primal center is love. That's what he is, and this is what we see embodied in Jesus as God, the God of the universe, who made it all, incarnated and took on flesh and lived among us in order to rescue us as people. In Christ, God comes close, and he invites you and I, if you're not yet a Christ follower, he invites you to come close too. If you are a Christ follower, Jesus invites you to become like him. Jesus invites you to become like him. When he said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, it wasn't like you could start I and J of people, a fishing company, or something like that. No, no, come follow me, and I will make you, he's saying, come, you can be like me. If you're a Christ follower, all of life is a journey of transformation to become like Christ, and as Christ was sent into the world, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are sent into this world here and now too. John chapter 13 verse 35 it was so beautifully put like this by this by what by this will you know so by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another by this shall all men know as I sang in primary school by this shall all men know that you are my disciples that you love one another this is the measure. This is the this is the credibility of our witness as a church. It's the extent to which we genuinely love one another. By loving well as Christ followers within the body of Christ and overflowing into the world in which we live. It's our love for one another and our love for those in our lives which adds credibility to the witness of Jesus in and through our lives. It's love that is the measure. This is how the world will know. It's love for one another. Very difficult to do, scattered in this moment. But we've got to find ways because the world has to know. This week, as a church, we lost a very, very special lady. We lost uh, Cheryl Buerta. And um, we're going to miss Cheryl tremendously. And Peter, I want you to know that our thoughts and our prayers are so with you and your family in this time. But this week, as we... As we walk through this within a church family, I was so humbled to have seen the love on display amongst this family, Peter and Viv, as they incarnated Jesus and stepped into uh, the world of Peter in this very difficult time, a life group who's rallying around Peter. I was so profoundly moved by the love of this community as we rallied together in order to love and to help and to serve a family in our number in a very, very difficult time. And I began reflecting this week on how many times I've seen in this church family In the darkest moments of life, how we've rallied together and how we've loved in Christ-like ways. It's so beautiful stepping into the darkest moments in our lives and just bringing love in selfless ways to one another. It's glorious. And this is at the core of the Christian faith. It's been so difficult to do over the last while, but this is who we are. And Common Ground South Penn, I want to affirm us. This is how we live as people. I see it in us. At the core of Christian, at the core of the Christian faith is the idea that we are growing in love for God and love for people. This is a defining characteristic of who we are. We are called to be the best lovers of people on the planet that outsiders in our community should look on and look upon the way in which we love one another and see something altogether different. In fact, it's exactly what happens. I wonder how many of us are here because we've seen the way this community has rallied in dark times in people's lives and just seen that is unique in all the world. I don't know where I've seen that. All that to say... In God we see this, and in us as a people, this is the fruit of maturity. Love is the measure, the extent to which we love one another and love outwardly. So I want to unpack three very practical ways for the remainder of our time today as to what this love looks like as we love outwards. And here's the way to listen to this message. Hear it in the context of your world. Try and visualize your your workplace, your home, your neighborhood, your network, your grocery store, your gym, your CrossFit workout place, your kids' school, right? Wherever it is that you are, you hear these things through your life. The three simple things that we're doing in order to love in our community and uh, community, and community outwards is three things. Number one, be present. Number two, listen. Number three, serve. How do we love? Be present, listen, and serve. Oh, I feel like I could be one of those American preachers in the South. Can, you, can, 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 you, can we get an amen? Mm, be present, listen, and serve. Mm, mm, mm. Come on, come on cold, let's bring some warmth here. Number one, be present, be fully present. Be present, be fully present present. When we read the Gospels, I'm struck constantly by Jesus' ability to be in the moment with people, to be open to people, and to be open to opportunities immediately around him. I mean, countless stories. You think just one off the top of your head is the story of Zacchaeus. Jesus is walking. He's on route. He's on his way. And literally Luke chapter 19 says passing through Jericho. So Jesus has got a place he's going. He's got an agenda. He's got a to-do list. He's got somewhere that he's heading. And this is on the way. He's in transit right and yet in transit he goes through the town of Jericho and Zacchaeus is a short guy the Bible says he's very small and obviously the people have gathered around Jesus it's busy they're shouting everyone wants a piece of him they want to see Jesus they want to ask him a question they want him to touch him to touch them etc etc and Zacchaeus knows as short as he is he does not stand a chance in getting near Jesus so Zacchaeus runs ahead and he climbs up a tree and Siri, oh, Siri, Siri just does not understand <laughs> It's very hard to grasp, Siri. Um, jeez. Hey, I hope you guys are tracking better, better than Siri is. Hey, I can't understand no to-do list anyway. Um, and, uh, and Zacchaeus climbs up a tree anticipating the trajectory of Jesus and that he can intercept him there. And we read in Luke chapter 19 verse five. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up. He wasn't going so fast. He wasn't so busy writing down or scrolling through his feed or whatever it was that he, he looked up and he said to Zacchaeus in the tree, he said, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. Jesus stops and, and he engages and he invites Zacchaeus toward himself. He in fact invites himself into Zacchaeus' home for dinner. Now I'm fairly certain, I'm fairly certain that Jesus did not have dinner with Zacchaeus in his calendar that morning when he woke up, right? This is just something that happened as he went about life and he was fully present where he was and he had time to respond to the people who were in his life. If he, if he if he was so busy, if he was so focused on where he was going and how to get there and what he had to do, this life-changing moment would never have happened. But Christ was fully present. I want you to know this is why we keep our church calendar light very practical here. Uh, Membership in Common Ground South Penn, you can boil it down to three or four, five simple things, right? Very very simple. Be, Be in church to worship God on Sundays, three out of four Sundays in a month. Be part of a life group where you're literally fleshing out what it looks like to follow Jesus, where you belong to other people and other people are learning to belong to you. That's how we work it out. Serve somewhere in a serving team. Most of our serving actually happens on Sundays. In our gathering, it's been very hard in COVID over the last uh, two years. I get it. We'll get there again, whatever normality looks like on the other side. And lastly, give generously in and through this local church. A few simple things. That it's not just we don't do that. Just because, man, there's so many good series on Netflix and life is so busy and your career demands so much of you that you can just be free to do all those things. That's not why we keep a light calendar. I've been a Christian for a long time. I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you the truth. That 20 years ago, like church calendars was like Monday night there was this thing. Then Tuesday night there was this thing. And it was like pastors used to think if we can just keep people busy, they won't have any time to sin, right? That was like, well, ah. We don't live like that, and not just because there's like so many cool series and whatever, whatever. We do that deliberately so that we've got space in our lives to be able to say to your neighbour who's just. Uh got got some difficult news, or to be able to to say to a friend at school or a a colleague or whatever, come around for dinner, come, let's talk, and to be able to do life with people. That's deliberately why we keep our calendar light, because we want to be able to be present in life with people. We're missionaries deployed in love to share the gospel through relationships, and relationships take time. That is who we are as common grounders in South Penn. Number two, so number one, be present, be really present. Number two, listen better. Listen, if I was to stick an adjective on there, it would be better. Just as Jesus left home, left home in heaven, right, and immersed himself in our world, so too we leave our private worlds and enter the different worlds of others, and we do this by listening. Theologian David Augsburg said this, and he sums it. I just just hear these words. Being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person they're almost indistinguishable. Think about your conversations over the last while. How were you listening? Attentively? Empathetically? Perhaps. You fall into the trap like me, where you're just kind of listening, waiting to speak, you know? Are all the screens getting in the way of you genuinely listening to the people that you do life with? Maybe your roommate, your children, your spouse, maybe the grocery um, person doing the groceries, or the person sitting at the checkout in the aisle, or the person putting diesel or petrol in your car. Dutch writer and professor Henry Noen wrote this, listening is a form of spiritual hospitality by which you invite strangers to become friends. And those are the kind of relationships through which the gospel is able to be conducted to other people's lives. They're so powerful in terms of mission. If you read the gospels again, they're so full of stories of Jesus doing this. They're filled with Jesus listening time after time. And I, I mean, so many... Matthew, Nathaniel, uh, Jesus in, in that instance with the, with the prostitute as well, Nicodemus, the blind man, the Samaritan woman, and so many others. Time after time, Jesus encounters a person who's fully present, and then he asks them questions. And when Jesus asks questions, he sticks around long enough to listen to their answers. And by listening to them, he understands more of who they are and what's happening in their lives. And through that, he's able to love them in profoundly transformative ways. I, I, it's so hard to imagine Jesus kind of brushing someone off while he scrolls through his feed in the grocery line. It just just doesn't fit with who Jesus is because all we read of Christ was Christ was present and Christ was loving. And so he did this through listening to others too. Jesus was present. He never rushed. He wasn't distracted. He took time to listen to people. He took time to love people. Imagine if someone said of people in the South Peninsula. Maybe I don't believe uh, everything that those common grounders uh, in South Penn do. But let me tell you about those people. They are fantastic listeners. Imagine that. Uh, you think that sounds far-fetched. I'll tell you what. One Sunday, I remember, true story, while we were still meeting in the school, I remember someone, I met a first-time visitor on Sunday, and they came to be in our church. I said, so how did you hear about our church? I said, oh, it's a strange story, actually. I went online this week, and I bought two things on Gumtree. And because I work, I couldn't pick them up uh, during the week, so I had to go on Saturday, yesterday, and collect those things. So I knocked on the door, and there was someone uh, who spoke to me. And we and I just went to pick up this thing. But we actually got chatting quite a lot, and I discovered this person was a common grounder in South Penn, and they go to church at the school. It was at St. Valley at that stage, you know? I thought, wow, that's interesting. Anyway, so then I went on to the next place to pick up what I bought on Gumtree. And I knocked on the door. And lo and behold, here was a different person. And again, we got chatting. And you won't believe it. They were members of this church. And there was this person and this person in our church. And they pointed them out. And now I'm here today. Just just, here. Here's my life. I'm, I'm present. I'm loving. I'm listening. And through that, this is who I am and what I do. So and I literally saw this. I was so excited to hear that story. The research shows us: psychology today said this. Only 10% of us listen effectively. We're so distracted by our smartphones, our ever-growing to-do list. Only 10% of us are able to listen effectively. We struggle to focus, and we l- struggle to listen to the people that are talking to us. And even when we do put our tech away, psychology today said, often our listening is not listening to understand, but listening to, uh, to reply. Maybe you, like me, can identify with so much of this. So what do we do? How do we listen? Well, I'm going to give us two answers, but one of them I'm not going to give us. Here, here, let me explain. The first one. Here we go. Here we go. It's how we think about other people. It comes down, number one, to how we've got to remind ourselves that every person that you interact with is an unrepeatable, inestimable treasure. That every person you interact with is an image bearer of the living God. What if you saw every person that you interact with as an individual that is sacred, that has been made alive by the very breath of God? And if you were, you, you were mindful of that when you interacted with people, that, I put to you, that would change how you listen to them and how you love them, right? It comes down, number one, to how we view other people. You see, we, we can get so busy and so focused on what we need to do, when we need to do it, how we want to do it in life. Life can become so utilitarian, all about what I'm going to do, that people can become commodities, We start to use people. We start to see them as what we can get from them. We start to, we start to, you you know what I'm talking about. We need to reset by reminding ourselves of who the people are that we interact with. Number one comes down to how we see people. And the second one I'm going to tell you that I'm not going to tell you is this. This week in life groups, we are going to unpack very specific skills to help us in the area of listening to one another right they are brilliant they are profound and they are waiting for you in life group because we don't have time to do them now sounds amazing right so sign up for a life group now if you're not yet in a life group we be present we listen and number three and yes all of these are connected I know number three serve relentlessly earlier I spoke about how Jesus is the incarnation of God In all of these habits, we are speaking of incarnation. Today, God still pitches up in physical form in our world. He still does today. He does it through his body, though, the church in whom he dwells. Pete Scazzaro, in his book that I really couldn't recommend highly enough, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he says this, we are all called to be God with skin on for the people around us. That is what it means to live an incarnational faith. We are all called to be God with skin on to the people around us. I love the image. Uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 18 says this, Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Real love is manifest in serving. Like Jesus stepping into the world, and serving us. Real love costs time, it costs money, it costs headspace. Louis Giglio said it like this, we need to think of ourselves as Christ followers. I am dispatched by the Holy Spirit on kingdom assignments to be light in a darkened world so others can see Jesus. I am dispatched by the Holy Spirit on kingdom assignments as you walk out of this gathering today to be light in a darkened world so others can see Jesus. A simple way to do that, learn to ask this question, how can I help? How can I help? Whether you're asking your wife, your 10-year-old Child, your neighbor, your best friend, person who's just received a COVID diagnosis, learn to ask the question to the people around you how can I help? Don't wait for the church to start a program that you can then sign up for. Just Ask how can I help? Look around you. Where are the opportunities? What can I do? Where where, where can I do something in my space? I think of one lady who's—I know she's busy watching online—and she would hate it if I gave her name away. But she sees her ministry as cooking for people. I wasn't quite sure how that was going to work until I started watching how that works, and I start to hear about this person over here who was going through this time, and suddenly meals appeared for them. And then this person who was struggling, and meals appeared. And literally, she takes love. And she puts it into food, and then she puts it into people, uh, people's bodies who need it, simply by just saying, I cook, that's what I do, and so I'm going to love people and drop off food for people who need it. And that's on display time after time in this community. In, in loving and in serving others, you're showing people Jesus. But here's the thing, you're not just doing that. You're also sowing the seeds of your own transformation. You're also sowing the seeds of your own transformation because every selfless act that combats selfishness is like, a, is like a punch in the guts of those selfish tendencies of our own hearts, right? Every time you do that, it's like a little selfish part of your heart and my heart dies as we do this. And, it, and it's, it's a long time, I know. And sometimes it's difficult. And so we must serve relentlessly because, because it's in doing that that not only do we show the world who Christ is, but your transformation comes as you sow these seeds of serving others. And yes, we can get tiring. It uh, can get tired, sorry, and we can get weary. Sometimes it seems endless and maybe it's thankless, but it's okay. Just carry on loving God and loving people and trusting that as you do that you represent Christ and your own transformation happens. Today, very simply, we've been reminded that love is the measure of of Maturity both emotional maturity and spiritual maturity if we think we're growing in spiritual maturity But we're not growing in emotional maturity. We're mistaken. These two things are correlated and Love is the measure of both of those things Love is redemptive love transforms love cures it cures those whom you live with but it cures you as well How do we do that we be present? Fully present. We listen. We listen lovingly and we serve. As common grounders, our love for God needs to manifest in our love for one another and our love for our communities. We're the salt of our city. We are sent here by him, deployed in this moment to be salt and light to our world. You have to show up, you have to be present, you have to listen, and you have to serve. And in that space, God is transforming us at the same time. As we land, I wonder if there's someone today or many of us today who think, "You look I mean, that's beautiful and it sounds right and it's hard to argue with that, but you just don't know my life. It's just so busy. It's just so hard. It just seems unattainable. You've got to start somewhere. How do you do it? You start by doing the next right thing. Just start by doing the next right thing in front of you. C.T. Studd. What a name. C.T. Stud. He wrote this poem that says, One life will soon be passed. And I want to read it to you. Can we stand those in the venue together? Close your eyes. If you're watching on Zoom or YouTube or Facebook, just close your eyes and hear these words. It's so this poem by this guy whose surname is Stud, wrote. And, uh, and this is what he says The band can get ready. Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart. Only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life. Yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life. The still small voice gently pleads for a better choice. Bidding me selfish aims to leave, and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life, twill soon be past. only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burden, hopes, and fears. Each with its days I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life it will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, Would Satan, when Satan, would a victory score? When self would seek to have its way, then Lord help me with joy to say: Only one life twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep, in joy or sorrow, thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whatever the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life, twill soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn. From the world, now let me turn. Living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life, t'will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, Thy will be done. And when at last I hear the call, I know I'll say, 'twas worth it all. Only one life will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. God, as we stand before you, as we sit before you as a people, this moment that you have placed us in, in the story of what you're doing in the history of the world, it feels like there is a rampant current that would sweep us to give our affections and our attentions To to our world, Lord. There's there's so many masters demanding our primary focus, the best of our lives, Lord. But, But God, this morning, we recognize we have a choice. We get to devote ourselves to what is most important in our lives, In Christ, we want to say, we are yours. We are Christ followers. Our faith is not just a belief that we hold in our hearts, but Jesus, we are those who are, who are actively saying, Jesus, be formed in me more than anything else in my life, God. I want to become more like you. God, I want to be someone who represents you into this world where you've sent me. And so Christ, today I ask of you strength and courage. I ask of you discernment, God, to help me to know how to spend my days. Jesus, I want to be someone who loves you. Someone whose life, as I look back, when that day comes, will look back and know that in my days, I loved God as best I could, and I loved others as best I could. That I didn't just give up, I didn't give the reins of life away and let it run away with me, but I put a, I put a mark in the sand and I said, my life is yours, God. I'm following you, Jesus, and I'm going to love you as best I can while it's mine to do in this world, and I am going to love others as best I can, God. And so, God, we ask for your help. Help us, Lord. I think for some of us, maybe it's a prayer of repentance. It's a prayer of confessing. You need to come before God this morning and realize, man, God, I, I just allowed my life to be kind of dictated to by this current of this world that I live in, but I want to retake it today and bring it under your will in love, God. Let's just do business with Jesus as the band and it leads us here what do you need to say to Jesus Holy Spirit would you whisper to us in this time lead us to your will let our world be more loved because of this gathering let our souls be more like you Jesus because of your prompts and your whispers right now in this moment